Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings, episode number 287. And I don't know what it is, but just when you thought this team was going to fold up its tent, it puts together a decent week. Now, are they back in the race? Well, no, but they're in a better position going into this big four-game series, which is just starting as we record this against the Washington Nationals. Eight and a half out if they can, by some miracle, sweep the Nationals, it'll be four and a half out. That would be res- respectable. A split doesn't really get them anywhere. Keeps them at eight and a half. Three out of four isn't bad. I think that would keep them roughly about six and a half. So, big weekend coming up, but uh, we have other news to report. And, by the way, before I forget, a happy early Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, Enjoy your day. Sunday is Father's Day. Maybe you're going to the ballpark. Maybe you're just going to sit down in the backyard. Hope it's a a beautiful day for all the dads out there. And a happy uh, Father's Day. To everyone, and uh, let's check the Mets injury report. That's longer than the whole show's going to be, probably. Um, not good news. Two in two more injuries occurred last night. My Mets right-handed pitcher Matt Harvey has been diagnosed with a stress injury to the scapula bone in the throwing shoulder. The team announced today. Harvey received a PRP injection and will not rehab until he's pain-free, at which time he will begin a throwing program to return to pitch. He is expected to miss several weeks, the team announced. He told reporters Wednesday night that he would need to see a doctor after experiencing what he believed to be arm fatigue during his start last night. It was his shortest outing of the year. Harvey tossed only 58 pitches and allowed four runs, including three home runs. And he also said that this year has been very, very difficult mentally and physically on him. And this is just another issue. And, you know, you got to wonder, is this guy uh, brittle? He, he, he's so reminiscent to a certain extent to Paul Wilson, who was here a few years ago. Um, well, maybe close to 20 now uh, with the Mets, part of the first generation K. But. Jeez, this is a shame. I mean, this guy is trying to get on track, and he just can't with the injury. So we'll have to see how he heals up and comes back in a few weeks, hopefully. Uh, Mets second baseman Neil Walker, if you saw the game, he uh, went down lame. Looks like somebody shot him. He has a partially torn left hamstring, has been placed on a 10-day disabled list. Uh, Walker, who uh, exited last night's game due to the injury, was replaced on a 25-man roster by infielder Gavin Ciccini, who was called up from AAA Las Vegas. The hope is that he'll be able to begin rehabbing the injury in two or three weeks. 
Sandy Alberson said. Now I heard something about he's going to rehab immediately, but I don't. I don't see how that's possible. You got to heal that thing a little bit and, and uh, wait to see. But uh, who knows nowadays? Then we also have Cabrera on the DL with a thumb sprain again. Smoker went on a DL with a left shoulder sprain. Montero's up to take his place. Conforto is sitting for the fourth day tonight with a stiff back. Syndergaard was seen by a doctor. He needs another few weeks of rest before he begins throwing, so it doesn't look like we'll see him until at least, at the minimum, at least middle middle to late August. So if you're trying to count on Syndergaard coming soon, uh, forget it. He's got, he can't throw for another four weeks, can't pick up a ball, and then he's going to have to throw at least four weeks, have some sort of four-week throwing program to get that arm in shape and to get his body back in shape. And, and maybe this will be a lesson for these guys, not to go packing on the muscle unless you're throwing and, and to throw the ball all winter. If you want to add the muscle, make sure you're doing the proper exercises baseball exercises to allow it to keep you flexible and working. Otherwise, you're going to have problems like this all the time. And uh, one more, Mets closer Jerry's Familia is visiting Dr. Robert Thompson today in St. Louis and could be cleared to throw after the visit. Uh, no word on that yet. Familia had the arterial clot removed from his throwing soldier by shoulder by Thompson on May 13th. The Mets placed him on the 60-day disabled list three days later. So uh, after the surgery, Familia said everything goes well. I'll be back this year. I think I'll be back. I'm not sure August or September, but I feel good now. Uh, the 27-year-old is hoping to get the nod to begin a throwing program following the visit. He has been limited to conditioning exercise during his rehab at Port St. Lucie so far. So maybe Familiar gets to start throwing, and we'll see how long that'll take him and use that as a, as a bellwether with Mr. Harvey and Mr. Syndergaard. So uh, we'll see how long it takes Familiar to come back. And today... June 15th is the 40th anniversary of the Midnight Massacre. Those that don't remember or too young to remember what that was. It was the night Tom Seaver was traded to the Reds and David Kingman was also traded to the San Diego Padres on that evening in 1977. A sad evening in Mets history. We all that lived through that remember it well. I remember shaking my head to say, what the heck are they doing? I'm not sure if I said heck, but uh, really, uh, it was really uh, uh, Tom Siva was having some uh, trouble with the owner of the team or the the spokesman for the owner of the team, M. Donald Grant, who was, I guess, the the president of the team and... uh, it got ugly there in the newspaper with the columnist Dick Young taking Grant's side and really attacking Seaver, and it really got nasty. It was disgusting, and it culminated on June 15th, which was the trading deadline in those days. 
and Tom Terrific went to the Cincinnati Reds, and the Mets received Pat Zachary, Doug Flynn, Steve Henderson, and Dan Norman. Moments after trading Seaver, the team also traded away Dave Kingman to the San Diego Padres for Bobby Valentine and Paul Siebert. So 40th anniversary today of the Midnight Massacre, Tom Seaver traded to the Reds. And uh, over this past week, the Mets took three out of four from the Braves and two of three with the Cubs playing a little bit better baseball, looking good, played really tight offense, uh, uh, really good defense. They had the one bad game against the Cubs, but bounced back, which was very important, and got those add-on runs, which is something that you always must get. Uh, hit a few home runs and... and uh, uh, and look, uh, I have to admit, Jay Bruce is playing very good baseball. He seems inspired. Is it because it's a walk year? Uh, is he comfortable now? Uh, and I just have to wonder whether coming to a bigger ballpark, in a way, has helped him as a hitter. Because of trying to hit home runs all the time in a short ballpark, maybe he's trying to go away more. And uh, it's it's working for hitting home runs because he's making more solid contact and driving the ball when he gets a good pitch. So uh, I, I still don't like the trade. I didn't like picking up his option, and I, I still maintain that. But I have to admit I was wrong. He's playing some good ball, and uh, we'll see what happens, whether they sign him, whether they keep him. I don't think they will. I think they will try to move him at the training deadline, and he should bring in something because uh, he has been playing some good ball, both offensively and, might I add, defensively as well. He's made some good catches. So that's my mea culpa, if you will, to uh, Mr. Bruce. This week was the uh, uh, 2017 Amateur Draft. And the Mets uh, picked number 20th, and their first-round pick was a left-handed pitcher from Oregon, David Peterson. Their second-round pick was a high school kid, Mark Vientos. Uh, he's labeled as a shortstop third baseman type. Everybody seems to think he will be a third baseman. In the third round, they went with another college guy, a right fielder, Quinn Brody. So they were all kind of all over the place in the beginning. Uh, fourth round, they went with Tony DeBrell, a right-handed pitcher out of Kennesaw State. And I'm not going to go through the whole list, but suffice it to say that throughout the um, the draft, they re restocked on pitches for the minor leagues. They drafted 27 pitchers, six lefties, 21 righties. They drafted four outfielders, seven infielders, and two catchers. Now, of the seven infielders, only one was a first baseman. I think the rest were uh, second, short, and third. Uh, and as I said, uh, two catchers uh, were selected by the Mets. And with the 1,147th pick in the 38th round, the Mets selected Daniel Alonzo, uh, Daniel Alfonso from Bayside High School, the son of Edgardo Alfonso 
and the manager of the Brooklyn Cyclones. So uh, Fonzie's son, Daniel, was selected out of high school, Bayside High School, and we'll see whether he decides to sign with his uh, his former uh, his dad's former team, I should say. All right, uh, we got a voicemail from our good friend Sean, so let's play that, and then we'll take a break. Hi, Gary. It's Sean in Bristol, UK. How are you, my friend? Um, f- apologies, I haven't phoned in a while. Um, Matt seem to be settling down, playing some decent ball at the moment. Um, though the injury, uh, injuries, injury woes have come back to haunt us yet again. Uh, Neil Walker last night and uh, Matt Harvey with possibly with a, uh, arm fatigue. Um, but um, am I being... Um, over melodramatic by saying that really the season starts tonight and while I'm recording this it's uh, Thursday afternoon uh, so it'll be just the, uh, the start of the uh, national series tonight I'm guessing by the time this goes out on the podcast that one game would be played but um, what's your best case scenario here Gary obviously a sweep would be fantastic but uh, can you see them uh, the Mets getting a series win if so that would really get them back in the uh, driving seat uh, very quickly um, I want to just mention next year have you he- are you hearing anything about the Mets are coming over to London. Uh, there was an article in the Daily Telegraph that uh, MLB really wants to get um, uh, baseball up and running like the NFL um, does, and the possibility they want to have a three-game series at the Olympic Stadium next year. It would be absolutely fantastic if that happens, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed with, uh, for that. Anyway, friend, uh, thank you for all, all what you do, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Take care now. Bye. And thanks to you, Sean, for uh checking in with us again uh sean's a great guy and uh, met him a couple of years ago and really uh, we had a great time hanging out at a ball game of course a mets game what else uh but um uh, yeah this is a big series for the mets and i can see where uh you could consider it the start of the season the the main part of the season uh while a sweep as you said would be beautiful and perfect I think at this point, three out of four, and to a certain extent, even a split might be okay for their psyche. Um, the injuries, it's going to be tough to sweep this team, even though Washington is having some problems of their own. It's going to be very difficult to sweep them, especially with Scherzer pitching in a, in one of the games. So... It's a, it's a tough task. So you've just got to try to go out and get as many games if you can. If you can get four, great, fantastic. If you can get three, even better. If it's two and you walk away with a split, you've lost nothing in the standings. Um, you haven't gained anything, but at least you've stood your ground. So that's the way I'm kind of looking at it, and I think we have to really look at it as not – as a division uh, attempt to get to the division, get closer to the division lead, I, I think the Mets' first pick has to be going, trying to climb back to 500 and go from there. And there are tough, uh, tough games ahead. And let's face it, this team, Nationals team, is good. They're struggling in the bullpen. They have some issues, but they can hit. And if they get a big enough lead. The bullpen uh, maybe could hold it on. So, and uh, we have injuries to key guys, key defensive as well as offensive guys. So, 
it, it, it's going to be a tough series. So let's get what we can get and and head to L.A. Uh, as far as the Mets going to London, I did see a report uh, a few weeks or a month or so ago, and apparently they are in negotiation between MLB, um, the the Mets, and uh, the city of London, And uh, but nothing further has come out about it since then. So I guess you'll just have to keep an eye on uh, your, your papers there, your local papers, and see um, if this is going to happen. It would be a, a boon to baseball, and uh, as some of the people know, there is a market over there, So and baseball wants to exploit that market, and uh, it's right that they should. means more money for the owners, I guess. It doesn't mean any lower ticket prices here, but uh, uh, who knows? Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, they, they, there has been negotiations. I would imagine that they are still ongoing, and we'll see how they, uh, they all play out. All right, let's take a break and be back after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. It always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And joining me tonight is... Jared Massey. He is the co-host of the Dugout Blues podcast. And Jared's been on the show before, so he's no stranger to these airwaves. So, Jared, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. Uh, always a pleasure to have you. And, uh, of course, your Dodgers, the Mets will be going out to L.A. on ne- next Monday and playing the Dodgers after this four-game set that they have with the Washington Nationals. Rich Hill had a little bit of a problem today and uh, got a little roughed up in Cleveland. Yeah, he's been uh, fighting it this year. You know, last year after he was acquired, he had the blister problem, and I think he's taking precautions to prevent it from recropping, and uh, it, it, it just um, it's, it's not working as well as anyone would hope. 
And, of course, uh, he got a nice contract, didn't he, in the offseason? He did. Three years, $48 million, I want to say. Not a bad payday no. at age 37. <laughs> and, of course, I, I believe he also pitched for the Long Island Ducks at one point. He did, yeah. I think that's where he kind of refound himself, and then the Red Sox picked him up. Well, good for him. That Atlantic League has uh, sent some guys back into the uh, to the majors, and and that's a great thing. Uh, and uh, we like going to the games in nearby, and and they're a lot of fun as well as the minor league games. But let's talk a little bit about the Dodgers. You're 41 and 26, I believe. Uh, I think that counts today's game and uh, a half a game out, and and really. Um, you're in a dogfight in that division. I mean, all of a sudden, Arizona and Colorado have really rose up out of nowhere and are really going to challenge uh, the Dodgers this year. Yeah. Uh, miraculously, they both learned how to pitch, uh, <laughs> especially Colorado. Um, they're throwing out four or five rookie starting pitchers, and all of them are holding their own at least uh it's going to be a it's going to be a tight race it's it's you know it's kind of odd seeing three of the best teams in major league baseball all in the same division um you know there are only four teams with 40 wins as of this moment and three of them are in the nl west so it's going to be a lot of fun and you know it's funny because a couple of years ago we were saying the same thing about the nl central they had all those good teams with the Cardinals and the Pirates, and then the Cubbies were coming up and uh, just two years ago, and now they've, they've really hit the skids. And uh, the West has uh, maintained that. A lot of people beginning of the year picked the Dodgers or the Giants, and, of course, the Giants have really uh, uh, taken a tumble, um, literally since missing Bumgarner and uh, – the Padres, there's a big gap between the Padres and the Giants and everybody else in that division. Uh, I guess the question I want to ask, though, is uh, we've seen the, the Diamondbacks once. We have not seen the Dodgers. We have not seen uh, the uh, Rockies. Do the Rockies and the, and, and the Diamondbacks, in your estimation, as you said, they have some good pitching, young pitching. Can they make it? Can they hold up? Can they make this a race the whole year? Uh, for the Rockies, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, you're counting on literally like four or five very young pitchers. We're talking rookies to carry their pitching staff. I mean, it would be one thing to carry, you know, like the Padres pitching staff because anyone can pitch in Petco, although Jared Weaver is trying to disprove that theory. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's maybe a too great a task for for the Rockies the Diamondbacks you know they got some great hitters Paul Goldschmidt's one of the best players in the league and Zach Greinke's pitching like Zach Greinke this year um I I would give the Diamondbacks the advantage there um in terms of holding out uh, uh throughout the rest of the season and of course they there's always the option that they could add somebody at the uh the trade deadline, but so can the Dodgers, and and uh, so it will be interesting to see. Now the Dodgers have. Uh, I've been looking at the depth chart here, and uh, they've had they've got a, a few injuries to some uh, good players as well. Yeah, um, their first baseman Adrian Gonzalez just went on the DL again. 
Um, he had never been on the disabled list in his entire career, and he's gone on it twice already this season. Um, he hasn't been hitting as well, and then with the emergence of Cody Bellinger, that's not really an, an issue. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a it's been a rough year. It's it seems like the front office kind of targets these types of guys. Uh, Andrew Tolls, who broke out last year, hit extremely well. He tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Scott Kazmir, who's kind of perpetually injured, is trying to make his way back to the major leagues. Um, and they've they've lost some uh, some good uh, relief pitching to to injuries. So you know they're fighting through it, but it's it's a lot more difficult than it should be. And uh, Yasiel Puig uh, received a one game suspension for making an obscene gesture in Tuesday's game against the Indians. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, from what I heard, I, I saw it live on the broadcast. Uh, from from what he said, uh, he was being heckled, and he proceeded to hit a home run, and he uh, touched the plate and looked at the people who were heckling him and said, you're number one with, with, both, uh, with both hands. Uh <laughs> You know, it, it's one of those things I, you know, I understand that these are professional athletes and there should be a level of, of um, professionalism. But on the other hand, you know, some, some of these hecklers have it coming. So <laughs> I, I, he'll, he'll get suspended a game and then he'll be back on the field and that's fine. Gee, you can't show your appreciation to anybody nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what kind of year is he having? Because a couple of last year or the year before that, he really struggled, went back down to the minors and uh, has been up and uh, seems to have performed better these last uh, parts of last season than this year. Yeah, you know, he's hitting for power, uh, which is nice. That was his 10th home run. And then maybe he was saying, you know, I'm going to hit 11 11. for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's doing – okay at the plate where he's really stood out is is in the in the field i mean we all i think every baseball fan knows how great an arm he has but he's he's really kind of picked up in the uh in the outfield aside from a collision with center fielder jock peterson which landed peterson on the uh concussion disabled list but uh, outside of that yeah he's been contributing so he's not hitting as well as he should be, but he is he is performing and, and adding something to the team. And uh, you mentioned Peterson. What kind of years he having? He came out like guns a blazing a couple of years ago, and then then kind of struggled from the All Star break on. Uh, has he gained more consistency? Uh, unfortunately, not. He's hitting one ninety six right now. Um, and what's more discouraging is he's not really hitting for power. He only has two home runs in 37 games. And I mean, this is a guy who, you know, could easily hit 30. Um, it's, it's kind of frustrating watching him. He is a tinkerer, so he is constantly changing his swing and, um, hopefully he can find something that works soon and stick with it. Boy, it's tough at that age to, uh, you know, keep fooling around with your swing because it's it's hard enough just to make the big leagues with how you did it and then to keep changing it around. It's got to be uh, very aggravating. Well, I'm sure it is for him, too. Um, but as a, you know, minor league aficionado, 
uh, I, I've seen what he can do in the minors, and it's it's awe-inspiring. So hopefully he gets back to where he should be. And, of course, left field looks a little different this year. Uh, tell us a little about the guys that are out there. Well, it's kind of, yeah, after um, after Tolls went down, uh, they brought up Bellinger, who is a better defensive first baseman, but he's athletic enough to where he can play left field. Mm-hmm. And he was solid there. I mean, he's he's a really, really good athlete. He's not one of these, you know, six foot five, two hundred forty pound statues standing out there. He's he's a good runner and he's got good instincts. Um, uh, now that Gonzalez is out, he's playing first base. So now it's kind of a uh, you know musical chairs out there. Today it was uh, Chris Taylor, who's had a sensational season. He's been. Um, outstanding uh, he's hitting almost 300 and he's hitting for power stealing bases you know playing all over the field he's been fantastic so he should probably get the lion's share of uh left field reps now that uh bellinger's at first base and coming into the infield of course Corey seager is at shortstop and uh i didn't check his numbers but if i recall correctly the last time i looked he's uh he's been having a pretty good year again yeah, you know, he is um he's 23 and he looks like he's play- been playing for 15 years. I mean, he's just kind of one of those unshakable always comes to work prepared type of guys. He's not hitting for as much power, but he's he's walking more. So, yeah, his uh his numbers are are very similar to what they were last year and yeah, he he's just Mr. consistent. It's uh it's a nice thing to have in the lineup. He is certainly a good player, and he's going to be a real good player. Uh, Justin Turner's having uh, another decent uh, showing. Uh, he just got a contract as well. Yeah, he got uh, four years, I believe. I think it was Hill got three, Turner got four, and Jansen got five. Um, yeah, Turner, all he does is hit. I mean, th- you know, 380. <laughs> I'd say that's that's good enough. And. Uh, yeah, he's had some. Uh, he had a little injury issue. Um, it, it looked really bad live. He was rounding third, coming home, and he just, it looked like his hams, hammy just popped. Uh, luckily, it was just a strain, so he missed a little time. But he's healthy now, and man, he's hitting. He's you know playing great defense at third base. Just really, really fun to watch. Well, we had the same incident last night with Neil Walker. Uh, he popped the hamstring and. Uh, they're calling it a partial tear, and he's going to be out for a while. So um, you won't see him, and you won't see Matt Harvey, uh, the Dodgers, in this trip because they're both out. Uh, you probably won't see Cabrera. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, can I, should I go, just go down the list? <laughs> I, I got all night, so yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe I should name the guys you may see. Of course, you never know by then. It's still a few days away. Will they be able to field a team? We'll we'll lend you some. Oh yeah, we'll we'll be able to put something together. <laughs> uh, second base has been um, uh, a different look this year. Utley isn't playing there as much. Uh, tell us a little bit about the second baseman. Yeah, they sent uh, one of their top pitching prospects, Jose De Leon, to Tampa Bay for uh, Logan Forsyth, who uh, has been a really good player. Uh, for the past few years, um, kind of broke out in 2015, had a solid 2016, and then this year he just stopped hitting. Uh, kind of the same thing as as Jock Peterson. He's hitting under 200. 
Uh, luckily, he's a good defender, and he can play all over the field. I mean, he, he can play second, third. You can probably put him in the outfield if they needed to. Um, the bat's got to come around, though. And what's been the biggest surprise is that Chase Utley, uh, the ancient one, uh, has, has been really productive this year. He's been um, a huge surprise. And, yeah, so he's filling in. And, in, in, um, you know, they're playing in Cleveland. They had... Utley and Forsyth in the uh, in the lineup, you know, Forsyth playing third base and then Utley playing second. So it's it's nice to have those options, but I, I think Dodger fans and especially the front office would hope that that Forsyth uh, picks up picks it up offensively. And perhaps he will behind the plate. Grandal is still there, and uh, uh, he's a good solid catcher, and he can hit. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of more known for his power and um, his framing ability. And, uh, yeah, he's still an elite framer, pitch framer. Um, But he started off like a house on fire. I mean, through the first month of the season, I think he was just tearing up the league. Um, Or actually in May, he he really came on in May and he OPSed almost 900. He's been in kind of a lull lately, but, I mean, he's still one of the – I don't know, 10 best catchers in the league. So it's nice to have him. And then Austin Barnes, who was acquired in the D Gordon trade back in 2014. He's uh, backing him up. He started today and he's actually hitting really well. He's hitting better than Grandall. So uh, yeah, they got two starting caliber uh, catchers, which is uh, a nice luxury. And of course, Crenshaw is Crenshaw. Crenshaw is Crenshaw. Uh, yeah, for the most part, um, he's had a few bumpy starts. Um, he had a really poor one in in Coors, which is you know not saying much. I think everyone has a has a bad time in Coors when they're pitching there. Uh, but yeah, I mean overall the numbers are still fantastic. You know, his ERA is two point two, and he's striking a bunch of guys out. He's given up more home runs than he ever has, though. Uh, he's He's, you know, he gave up eight home runs and 21 starts last year. He's already given up 13 this year. So, um, yeah. Aside from the home runs, though, he's he's uh, yeah still the same three times Cy Young, one time MVP. And you know, there's a lot of home runs being hit this year. I mean, the ball is just flying out. It seems. I don't know if they juiced it up or what, but uh, it just seems to be going uh, a, a lot more. Yeah, uh, I, I I can't tell you. I mean, there have been studies, you know, articles, research done that says the ball's fine, it's normal. Uh, I don't know if I believe that necessarily because the yeah the rate is just so high. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys putting an emphasis uh, emphasis on hitting the ball in the air. Uh, that seems to be the trendy new thing. You know, the fly ball revolution. Justin right. Turner uh, subscribed to it. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, maybe guys are just bigger and stronger. That happens over the course of decades. Guys get bigger and stronger. Um, but I, I mean, it's fun to watch, you know, and I, I think most casual fans would rather watch a seven to six game than a one to zero game. So you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, take us through the rest of the pitching staff uh, that the Dodgers are putting out there. We don't know who the probables are at this point, but uh, uh, at least we can talk about them. 
Well, yeah. Um, I think the biggest surprise on the staff has been Alex Wood. Uh, he actually outpitched Kershaw for uh, the first few months of the season. Uh, his ERA is right at 2, 2.01. Um, he was acquired in a trade a couple years ago and has just been sensational this year. He missed a little bit of time with a, a clavicle irritation. Some I think they just made it up to skip his start, <laughs> but they, they, they tend to do that. But he's been he's been sensational. Um, Brandon McCarthy has also been very good. Uh, he's in year three of a four year deal, I believe. And, you know, he missed, uh, most of his first year with the Dodgers after, uh, having Tommy John surgery, Kenta Maida, uh, he may or may not be in the rotation. He's, he's struggled a bit this year and they put him in the bullpen and he's pitched pretty well. So, uh, he might be, uh, he might be starting if Rich Hill who pitched today, Thursday, um, doesn't get it get his act together he's he's got to do something about his his delivery he's just all over the place and then there's hunjin ryu who um has bounced back and forth between the rotation the bullpen and he um he he may be pitching but uh, i'm not 100 percent sure and your closer uh, at least you have one uh kenley jansen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's something else. I'll tell you. Um, you know, converted catcher and uh, turned into one of the best relievers in baseball. I mean, he's pitched uh, what twenty-seven games and he struck out forty-five and hasn't allowed a walk. So, yeah, he's uh, it's lights out when he comes in. He's he's pretty fantastic. Yeah, he is uh, one of the best in the game, and and of course we won't have ours back. Uh, maybe August, maybe September. Who knows? Uh, maybe too late for the Mets this year when we get uh, familiar back. But we'll have to see. Okay, we had the big uh, amateur draft this week, and uh, the Dodgers picked a an outfielder, Jaron Kendall, out of Vanderbilt. Um, you follow the draft at all, and what's your opinions on that? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I love following the draft in minor leagues. Um, my opinion is it's a bold move. Uh, he was projected before the season, before the college season, to go number one overall. So, obviously, that's a great value get. Um, Scott Boris is his agent, so there is a chance that he doesn't sign Um but hopefully the Dodgers can get it done. And, I mean, he's a dynamic player, potential five tool, has a little problem with the strikeouts right now. And uh, hopefully they can get that fixed. If they, if they get that fixed, he's going to be something special. Now, what year is he in? Is he a junior or a senior? He's a junior. So he's only 21. Plenty of time to develop and you know, get that, that hit tool right. Um, hopefully he can... Hopefully he can take to some instruction and find a swing that works for him. So if he doesn't sign, he can go back to school. Yeah, yeah, he can go back uh, for a senior season. Um, and Boris has done that before. Boris, uh, he did that with Mark Appel. I don't know if you know who that is. He was a number one overall pick a few years ago. Um, he he went like eighth overall and didn't sign with I want to say Cleveland and then the next year he went number one overall um to the Astros and this has actually happened before with the Dodgers uh Luke Hoshaver who was on the Royals he was signed or he was drafted in 2000 
in 2005 and he was represented by Boris, didn't sign. He went number one overall the following year, 2006. That caused Andrew Miller to fall to number six overall. And uh, that's why the Dodgers now have Clayton Kershaw. Hmm. <laughs> kind of a kind of a funny story. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it it's a chance you take as uh, as the player because what happens if you have a lousy senior year? Yeah, it's absolutely happened before. Um, it, I I think it doesn't work out more than it does. I think if you have two, three, four million dollars on the table, you have to take it. I mean, un- unless you come from a really wealthy family and that's not life changing money for you. If someone, you know, put a seven figure bonus in my face, I'd snatch it up as quick as I could. So uh, we'll see what happens if they don't sign him. They get the following pick the next year. So it's not a total loss, but you'd like to get him signed and right. and into uh, the minor league system. Well, Jared, I want to thank you so much for coming on again to uh, Mets Musings. And uh, if you want to plug your site, go ahead and do it now. Yeah, it's uh, dodgerblue.com for Dodgers major and minor league news. And then the podcast is Dugout Blues. And you can find that at dugoutblues.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. All right. And uh, again, uh, thanks so much for coming on tonight. And uh, hope to talk to you again in the future. Thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. And we'll be back right after this. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show. And drop us a line. Leave us a comment or a voicemail question, anything at all. Call that number, 516-619-6341. Or go to MetsMusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at MetsMusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash Mets Musings and the Twitter handle is at Mets Musings 1 and uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show check out our Patreon page check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings And a couple of uh, notes before we go. Former Met Jimmy Pearsall died at the age of 87 uh, back on June the 3rd. Pearsall will be remembered for his 100th career home run, which he ran backwards around the bases. He hit it off of Dallas Green and the Philadelphia Phillies. Casey Stengel uh, was not real happy about that. He said there's only room for one clown on this team. And... uh, Pearsall was gone within a few days after that. So uh, it, Jimmy Pearsall is also noted for the book that he wrote, Fear Strikes Out, uh, and uh, the movie that followed that. Uh, he had some mental health issues with depression he battled, and uh, uh, was a, a pretty good outfield, a good defensive outfield, and never lived up to his true potential. 
Uh, but the man had fun and enjoyed his baseball career, and he passes away at the age of 87. And New York Penn League action is going to be opening up on Monday the 19th. The Cyclones will take the field on the 20th at home, but they'll open up in Staten Island at Richmond County Ballpark against the Staten Island Yankees. So uh, go check out the uh, New York Penn League short season A-League and home of the Cyclones, and you might just see uh, Tim Tebow sometime during the year. Who knows? We'll see how that works out. Well, that does it for this edition of the podcast. This edition is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. If you would like to help in keeping this podcast going, I urge you to check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. So thanks for listening to this episode. And until next time, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets.